Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message from Chelsea Hagen. Hallelujah. Woo, so good to be in the house of God. Um, just before we start, I did this in the first service, but I just had a word for, a word for Mark and Rochelle. So, um, you know, sometimes God just highlights uh, people and um, I just really felt the heart of God for you too. And, um, you know, I've, I felt, I actually nearly started to tear up because I felt that you you both have such a resilience that all hells come against you guys, but you have had such a resilience just to keep standing. And I see um, in the future, you know, I felt like God said for you, Mark, there is room for you in the kingdom. I felt like him say, there is room for you in the kingdom. And I saw you sitting with um, with youth, with younger ones, and I saw you like carving out an arrow. And then I saw um, the person next to you carving out an arrow and you have such an anointing and such a gift to disciple younger ones and I see um, in the future maybe not even now because I know that you guys you know you've got a very full house but I see you guys as mothers and fathers of the faith I really do I see there is such a resilience in you too there is such a resilience that um, God needs that for the next generation. And I see you discipling people and I see you getting alongside, you know, broken, you know, young people, people that just, they need Jesus. And, you know, you, you, know, you look and you're like, oh, you know, who are we? But God would just say there is such a resilience in you guys and the, the younger generation needs that. You know, and so not to not to be discouraged that God's got big plans over your life and he's got a purpose and a future and a hope um, and he wants you to know that, that you are, he's calling you to be mothers and fathers of the faith. Hallelujah. Lord, I just bless them, God. Bless them, Papa. Bless their marriage, God. I thank you so much, Lord, that they are going to be such incredible examples, God, of what it means to stand in the mighty name of Jesus. Bless them, Papa. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, so clear. God is always speaking. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So um, and I, I get to this word that um, the Lord has put on my heart. He's, he's burnt this on my heart, and um, it's a topic of marriage. And, uh, you know, I've always been an advocate for marriage, obviously, you know, as a Christian and I was counselling a marriage um, about three and a half weeks ago, and um, when I when I left that counselling session, I just began to weep, and I began to feel God's heart over uh, marriage and over broken families and over divorce, and I just I just began to just weep and feel the Father's heart, and uh, you know. Um, you know, being given this opportunity to speak, and it was like I just can't shift away um, off marriage. And so this is on God's heart. You know, this is prophetically what He wants to speak to us um, about today. Uh, you know, it is a huge topic, by the way. So I can't cover every nuance and every little thing. So um, you know, I know there's going to be a lot of different scenarios in this room, a lot of different uh, nuances. But we've got you know pastoral help if you if you need those things as well. So I'm not going to be able to cover everything today, but I'm going to cover as much as I can um, in the time that I've got. Um, so this title for this message is "Marriage: It's Worth the Fight." And um, it is a fight, um, but it's worth it, you know. And, you know, um, I've actually 
just sat down and I started to just pour out and write a book. I've already got 10,000 words just on marriage and how important it is for God's heart. Um, so, you know, obviously I can't cover all that today. Um, but let's start at the beginning of God's definition of marriage. You know, we see in society that, you know, even our government is trying to redefine marriage, but God instituted marriage and marriage is God's idea. You cannot redefine marriage and our source is from the word of God and God has made it perfectly clear of what he defines as marriage. And so Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. So let's say it. Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. So it doesn't matter how people want to redefine marriage. We go by the word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's turn to the New Testament. Mark 10.6. Yeah, come on. Let's cheer. It's the word of God. Hallelujah. We need those little blowing things. So Mark 10, 6. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. Say male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And those two shall be one flesh. So then they are no more two, but one. What therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder to place room between, to separate or to go away or to depart. Um, And so, you know, there's a lot of nuances, um, you know, because there there are grounds for divorce, very few. God hates divorce, by the way. He hates it. And I know there's going to be lots of different, you know, people at different places here, um, but he really hates it. What God joins together, he wants to stay together. It was never meant to be pulled apart. In fact, when the Pharisees asked Jesus and he said, yeah, but what about the certificate of divorcement? Jesus actually said, it's because of the hardness of your heart. And so there's only two situations in the word of God um, that that are biblical grounds for divorce. Number one is unrepentant sexual immorality, and number two is abandonment. So if the unbeliever departs, that brother or sister is not in bondage in that case. And so God hates divorce. It is not something that we um, do lightly. Um, Obviously, if there's an abusive situation or someone's in danger, you would separate, um, but in the hope of being reconciled. Um, praying for that person. If the unbeliever departs, you fight for that marriage still, you know, right up until that point. And so there's different um, nuances of that. Uh, But, you know, covenant is so important to God. And so, um, you know, I I just want the word, you know, I believe that God is going to do a realignment because as Christians, we need to be champions for marriage. We need to stand for our generation and we need to be covenanted people. Amen. Hallelujah. Covenant in that. So number one, covenant matters. Covenant in the New Testament was a big deal. It still is to God. And the two people that were getting married, they would have a dead animal and they would they would slice it open and they would both walk through um, the blood signifying the death of self, the, the death of independence, that they were going to be covenanted together till death do they part. And they actually said to God, do, do worse to us than this if we, if we break those vows. And so covenant is a, is a huge deal. 
Um, you know, likewise, we make solemn vows and we make these declarations before God and before people um, before we get married. They are so serious to God. They are not something that we should ever say lightly. You know, we're saying for better, for worse, for sickness, for health, you know, till death do us part. We are making those declarations before heaven, before God. It is not a light thing to break those vows before heaven. You know, there needs to be a real soberness and gravity that we understand that marriage is for life. It's for life. We don't just come and, you know, when the the going gets tough, we're out the door. No, we stand like Jesus stands for us that has seed love, that it's not, it doesn't matter about outward circumstances, how I feel or don't feel. It's that covenant love that says, I chose to love you and I'm standing by that vow that I made and I am going to work through this stuff and we are going to find solutions and we are going to, when we've done all to stand, we're going to stand. And it's that how seed love that Christ has for us. You know, um, marriage is a marathon. It's not a short sprint. It's really not. You know, you're growing together. God is looking at the picture when he brings you two together. He's looking over your whole lifetimes of what, of what he's going to do in that whole big space of time. It's not a five-year plan, a 10-year plan. It's your whole lives till death do you part. Hallelujah. And, you know, it's, I was saying before, I don't think we've seen the true picture that God had for marriage on this earth. Marriage is meant to be the most important, amazing covenant that we have, the closest communion that you could have to anyone on this earth. And it's meant to go from glory to glory and strength to strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, Jesus. Pour out over marriage, God. You know, when we become one flesh, it's like getting, say, a, a, you know, a blue canister of sand and a red canister, and we, and we pour those sands in together. You know, they're not meant to be separated. How can you just sit there and, and pull all that out? It's meant to be two lives coming into one. Hallelujah. And so we've got God's divine order of marriage. So we don't have to try and work it out. It's already in the Word of God. It's heaven's blueprint for what works. You know, when we try and do stuff our own way outside of the Word of God, who knows it doesn't work. There's no grace on it. You know, we've got to, we've got to align ourselves and come back to the Word of God because um, it is His Word that sets us free. It is the truth that sets us free where we can have freedom. Amen. So let's go to Ephesians 5.21. Yeah, come on, Ephesians 5.21. So I'm going to go through this, um, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. You know, so God needs to be center of marriages. God has to be number one. He has to be center because when we're drawing from God and when we're getting our needs and, and all those things met by God, then we're free to give. You know, when you're trying to get off the other person, there's always going to be a deficit, not because the person's not trying, but just because only God is meant to, you know, fill that, that place in our heart where we are able to give to our spouse. Ephesians 5.22, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. 
And so I want to bring a balance to submission. You know, that can be a dirty word, or oh, submit, you know, and straight away our mind goes to, you know, control and under the thumb and all this crazy stuff. That's not what God's talking about in submission. Um, you know, we don't submit to things that are outside of the Word of God. So if your husband's asking you to do something, you know, that's outside of the Word of God, then we don't submit to that. We only submit to um, the Word of the Lord. But submission should be a joy. You know, when I submit to God, even though he asked me to do hard things, I just do it because I know that his heart for me, he, he's got my best interests at heart. It's easy to submit to God, you know. And so when we have flourishing marriages um, in the divine order that God put them, um, you know, then we will experience that. Ephesians 5.23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the saviour of the body. So in the marriage context, yes, we definitely need to communicate and hear each other's heart, but at the end of the day, God has set it up that the husband has the final say. You know, um, we're responsible for submitting to that, but he's got the whole responsibility of leading the wife and his family. He's got to answer to God for that. He's got to be accountable to God for making those decisions. Um, and, you know, that, that's, that's a heavy weight. You know, women, we need to let men lead. We need to let them take the lead, you know, and trust God. Trust God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Ephesians 5.24, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. You know, you, you look at the sacrifice of Jesus for his house, for his people, how much he laid down, how much he just is so dear to his heart. And that's the way that husbands are meant to love their wives, meant to cherish them and, and look after them. Um, so it says, and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, even as the Lord the church. And so let's have a look at the heart of God for that word nourish. That word nourish means he strengthens, he feeds, he nurtures, he brings up with, he provides for growth, health, and good conditions. And so husbands, that's, you know, that's part of your role as Christ has that for his church, for your wife to make sure that she is doing okay, make sure she is growing, make sure she is prospering. And that word cherish is to warm, to foster, to care for, to, to protect, to hold dear to, to adore with great affection, to be devoted to, to esteem, to admire. And so, you know, God wants strong marriages. We need to be people that defend and protect our marriages. Because I tell you, when we abdicate our place in marriage, it doesn't just affect you and your family, it affects a whole generational line. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I want to finish well for Jesus. I want to know that at the end of my time that I was faithful to those vows, that I was faithful to the covenant that I had on this earth. Even though it's hard, that's okay. No one's got a perfect marriage. It's okay. We're two imperfect people. 
There's going to be problems, but there's room for growth. Hallelujah. That's where we grow. That's where we learn to forgive. That's where we, you know, push through. That's, you know, it's, it's wonderful. Marriage is amazing. It's so good, and God wants to take it to the next level. Ephesians 5.30, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and his bones. For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. But also let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself." And the wife that she reverence her husband. And so that reverence is to be in awe of, to be afraid, not in an abusive, controlling, scary way, um, but to be afraid, to have that reverence, to respect, to prefer, to um, look up to, to highly esteem and to value. And so when we've got marriages like that, I mean, wow, God loves his church so much. When we come back to the word of God, I just see glory all over marriages. I just see God wanting to pour out glory all over marriages because people will know that Jesus is the son of God by the way that we love one another. Honestly, if we have amazing marriages, the whole world is going to turn their head. They're going to be like, what have you got? What is it about you two? Why? How come you can you know, get through stuff? Why are you so joyful? It's a magnet for people to, to see Christ and his church. It's a picture of, of the love that Christ has for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So this next bit is called Equally Yoked. This is... Um, Part two, and this is for all you singles in here. Okay, listen up, because this is really, really important um, that we are equally yoked and that we choose our spouse wisely, because who you marry will affect your call, your whole life. It is not something that you go into lightly. It is not something that we just do willy-nilly and, and make these vows. You need to know because you know because you know that they are sold out for Jesus and that you are going to serve the king together. So 2 Corinthians 13, 6, 14. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what agreement does Christ have with Satan? Or what does a believer have, or what part does a believer have with an unbeliever? You know, <laughs> they're going in opposite directions. I've seen so many people marry an unbeliever or a brand new Christian, and it's just it, two years down the track, it's a disaster. It's an it's a excellent train wreck. And, um, you know, you want to see consistency and fruit in that person's life. Don't just get all emotionally involved and just marry that person. You want to make sure that they are truly following Jesus. It's easy to put your hands up, oh, hallelujah, but are they following God in the hard times? Come on, we don't just, anyone can say I'm a Christian, but are they? Where's the fruit in their life? You know, you want to watch them for a time. Don't jump in blindly. Have good counsel around you. You know, I shared before, love is blind and marriage is the eye opener. <laughs> and so you need someone not emotionally involved like you are at the time to speak into and counsel you if that is a godly marriage or not. 
Do not make that decision lightly. Honestly, take your time. What does it say? Those who marry it in haste repent at leisure. It's a big deal. It's a big deal if you've got, you know, even not even an unbeliever or a believer, or if you've just got someone that's just happy just to go to church on Sunday and do nothing else, but you're like full of zeal, full of passion, you want to see the kingdom advance, you, you're going to, it's not going to work. It's unequally yoked. You're not going to plow together. And so Dan and I, when, when we got married, within three months of being married, we were up planting churches. And, but that was our heart. We're like, we, we are advancing God's kingdom together. We're equally yoked. We've been running, you know, ever since. And um, it's glorious. I would hate to be trying to drag him along, you know. I would hate that. That would just be so hard. And, and, and vice versa. And, um, you know, I've seen so many marriages just just be pulled apart because of this. And so singles, please really heed what the Word of God says. If you're already married to an unbeliever, we can be in situations where we're like that as well. Um, that's 1 Corinthians 7, 11 to 13. Um, and if any brother has a wife who is a non-believer and is willing to dwell with him, he must not divorce. So if you're with an unbeliever and they're happy to dwell, it says by your conduct that you could win them to Christ. And so keep believing, keep praying, keep pushing in for their salvation. Hallelujah. Come on, Jesus. Anyone getting fired up for marriage? Number three, be intentional. I used to think, you know, marriage was a bit like spin the wheel. Oh, you got a good one. Oh, you got a bad one, you know. And it didn't take long until I realized in marriage that you need to be intentional about marriage. You know, so, so many times before we get married, there's such a pursuit and there's so much time and effort and all that stuff poured out. But then when we finally get married, we can slip into this complacent just nothingness. You know, and God doesn't want that for our marriages. You know, when I, um, when I felt the heart of God, I felt like God said, Chelsea, so many people sow so much time into other stuff, yet they neglect the, the most important covenant on this earth. You know, if we want to be better at something, then we sow time into it. You know, if we want to upskill and learn more skills, then we're sowing time in it to get better. Why don't we do that for our marriages? Why is it that, you know, the, the most amount of time and energy that that marriage gets is when you're in the counseling for a divorce? Come on, God doesn't want us to end up in that place. If we're intentional now, if we have vision for our marriage now, if we have core values for our marriage now, before it gets to that place, then we are going to flourish and we, you know, we're going to be good examples for our children to follow. That's what godly marriage looks like because he wants strong generations. Amen. Following Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If we don't invest the time and energy intentionally into things, they'll deteriorate. If I've got my garden and I leave it, you know, for a good three weeks, well, there's going to be weeds. There's going to be all sorts of problems going on. It's not just going to weed itself. It's not just going to get better. It's going to get worse over time, you know. And so we need to make sure that we are intentional about our marriage. Don't, you know, date your spouse. Have fun in your marriage. Like, don't lose the wonder of marriage and the, the reason that you got together in the first place. 
You know, see that spouse through God's eyes. Hallelujah. Always put your relationship with Jesus first. A threefold cord is not easily broken. Let Jesus be at the center. The majority of marriages that are failing are because Jesus has come off to, he's not center anymore. They're on the throne now. We need to keep Jesus on the throne. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Work through issues. You see so many marriages, oh, we've never had a fight in our life, 20, 30 years, and then they're heading for the divorce court. Why? Because bitterness, resentment, anger, and all those underlying things have been bubbling up for years. There's no communication. The greatest cause of divorce in Australia is lack of communication last year, lack of communication. And so we need to be sure that we are dealing with those things as they come up. Jesus said, don't even let the sun go down. Don't even let 24 hours go by without dealing with this stuff. Marriage requires work. It requires intentionality. It requires to honor and to love and to lift up that person, to work through things together. You know, we're not opponents. We're not, well, here's the problem in the middle and this and this and this. No, the problem's here. We're going to solve it together. That's got to be the heart. Everything has a solution. We keep our hearts soft, open, and unified towards each other. It's so important. You know, Jesus said because of the hardness of your heart that you want to divorce. We've got to keep our hearts soft. Hey, we're two imperfect people. We've got to have bucket loads of grace. We've got to just love each other despite our faults, despite our differences. You know, we look past that and we just, we just love. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Divorce is not an option. You know, we don't bandy that around having a big argument and throwing that word out there. You know, Dan and, and one of my core value, our core values is we don't use the word divorce. It's not an option for us. Solutions are an option for us. Working through stuff is an option for us. And we've had all hell come at our marriage, but we just refuse to give up. God put us together. God has a purpose and a plan. Two will put 10,000 to flight. And we've got stronger and better together. Like, it's, it's amazing. We've gone from glory to glory and strength to strength. Because when you fight together and, you, you know, no matter what comes at you, when you you know, keep that unity and keep that, no, you know, God, you've put us together. I tell you, it's just glorious. Because the enemy tries to rock you and he can't. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So there's a couple of statistics I just wanted to go through. Um, we've heard that Christian marriage uh, divorce rates are the same as the world. And so they say 50%. And I did a bit of research on that. And that was taken from the 2008 Barna Research Group. But what they did is they did a cross-section over people that weren't actively in church. So they were just people that were professing to be Christians, but not necessarily in church, being active, advancing the kingdom. And so what they did is they, um, they re-examined the data, George Barna and a lady Felham, and they worked out that it was about 30% of Christian marriages end in divorce, which is still very high considering, you know, God's got a very slim, uh, you know, reasons even to get a divorce. Hallelujah. And so th it, those families who are planted in the house of God have a 27 to 50% um, lower chance of divorce than non-church people. Stay in church. 
stay in church. There's less divorce in church, you know, families that are active um, in church. It's so important. Get planted in the house of God and you'll flourish. Thank you, Jesus. The Australian, this is worldly averages, Australian average um, marriage to divorce lasts for 12 years. This is in 2017. Marriage to separation um, on average in Australia is eight years. Come on, we can do better than that. Come on, it's for life. It's for it, it's it's all of all of everything that you've got poured out into this covenant that means so much to God. Thank you, Jesus. If we're intentional, you know, whatever we focus on is gonna grow. Whatever we feed, it's gonna flourish. You know, God wants to wants to just pour out afresh on every marriage here today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I'll just add as well, you know, even if, um, you know, um, even if you have been divorced and it hasn't been for those, for those reasons, you know, unrepentant sexual immorality um, and abandonment, you know, then there's no unforgivable sin. And so, you know, as long as you're repentant, that God can bring restoration as well. You know, so I wanna I wanna put that there because I know there's a you know there's a there'll be a lot of different scenarios in here and I can't cover them all, um, but it's so so important that we really honor and uphold marriage where it should be. Amen. Um, number four, finishing well. We don't want to just start well in our marriages, but we want to finish well. I want to finish well. It doesn't matter how we start. You know, I want to know when I stand before God on that last day that I honoured that covenant. I honoured those vows that I made before my Father in heaven and that, um, you know, my marriage is intact and my family is intact and I ran the race well and I hand the baton down to my kids so they can run. And, um, you know, we need to be fierce about marriage. We need to defend it. We need to protect it. We need to look after it. It's precious in the sight of God. It's precious in the sight of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, you know, God's has seed love, the love that God has for us. He never gives up on us. We're the ones waver in and out, but he always stands. He always believes in us. And uh, it's funny, you know, even being in Scotland for, for two weeks is, you know, um, the thing of Scotland, the romance of Scotland. And it's funny even learning about the history of Scotland. Man, it was brutal. Like they, they fought to the death. They, they were so fierce, they were so full of courage. And they fought for their people and they fought for their nation and they fought for what they believed in, you know. And I took that away and I was like, you know, we, we can have you know, romance in the world, you know, which fizzles out after about six months if you're lucky. But we want the romance of heaven. I want the romance of heaven. Hallelujah. True love fights. True love doesn't walk out when it feels like it wants to. True love will stay and will battle. True love, it's worth the fight. Come on, that is true love. The world thinks true love, whatever, it's over in a year, six months, a year. The true love just, it, it, it stands. It believes. And let's have a look. Let, let's have a look what love is. Let's have a look at the romance of heaven. Let's have a look at what true love is. And this is what God is trying to um, perfect in us in our marriages. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is patient and kind. It does not envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. 
Love is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. You know, how many times you've been in an argument and, you know, all of a sudden, (laughs) out comes a big draw. Do you remember when you did this and this and this and this? God doesn't do that to us. Let that stuff go. You know, if you're having a, a disagreement or an argument, only argue about what you're arguing about. Don't drag every little thing into the, into the process. Let it go. Thank goodness God doesn't do that with us. Thank you, Jesus. Love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And that's a romance of heaven. And we see, you know, um, God and just the way that he loves his church. And so we want the romance um, in our marriages. You know, we want true love. We want to fight for one another. We want a barrack for one another. No, God loves marriage. He loves the covenant, the holy covenant of marriage. And so let's be, you know, champions for marriage. Let's be champions for strong family because I tell you, when, when the family unit breaks down, all of society breaks down. Have you noticed that? That when we've got strong marriages, strong family, we have a strong society. You know, there's far too many kids. My heart just broke over God's heart of just the fatherlessness of kids that are just, you know, they're innocent victims in divorce. They're, they're, man, their lives are smashed to pieces. You know, and so we want to, you know, we, we need to make sure that we get this, this um, soberness of God's heart for marriage. Amen. And so, you know, we don't want to be hearers only. We want to be doers. We don't want to, you know, try and fix, you know, everything up when the wheel's already fallen off. Let's be intentional people about our marriage. Let's pour out that time and that effort because we pour it out on so many other things. Let's begin to pour it out into our marriages. And we've got... um which is awesome, Charity and Gabe, they're doing a marriage workshop, which is awesome. You know, we need to be intentional and we need to, um, you know, sow time in. It's about investing time and just letting the Holy Spirit speak. Um, So that's the 6th of August to the 10th of September, 7 to 9. So it's it's two-hour investment um, and it's just resetting. How do we do life together? You know, because this is the one of the most important investments you're ever going to make because it affects everything. If your marriage is bad, it affects everything. It affects generations. And so we need to make sure we're being deliberate um, with that. So it's for committed, dedicated couples. So uh, over at the, at the welcome desk, you can put in your details for that. It's only $60 per couple, six weeks. Um, you know, and because you're doing marriage, it doesn't mean that your marriage is bad. It means you want a better marriage. Amen. Hallelujah. So I'm going to invite the band back up. Uh, you know, we want to pray over um, marriages. You know, maybe you've been married for a while. Maybe you're newlywed. Maybe, you know, you've even lost a spouse and there's just real grief in your heart. And, you know, we just want to pray into that. Uh, you know, maybe... Um, you know, you have been divorced through no fault of your own. Uh, you know, we just want to see, you know, healing and just restoration um, on all those things. Maybe, you know, you've been the one that's instigated, you know, a divorce and hasn't been on biblical grounds, you know, if you just want to, you know, repent and, and come forward. Like, 
you know, there's a whole range of people in here. Singles, I want you up here as well. We want to pray and just declare that you're going to have the most amazing um, godly spouses. Uh, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's all stand together. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website, firechurch.com.au.